You are listening to a sermon preached at the First Christian Church of St. Ignatius in St. Ignatius, Montana. For more information, you can visit us at www.firstchristiansti.org. It's a beautiful morning we have this morning. I'd like to say welcome to all our guests and visitors. We have the large state of Texas being represented here today. Indiana. Probably a few more. Um, As you can see, your favorite and all-time John is not here today. I'm filling in for him. Hopefully I can make him pleased. Um, Today's sermon, I've decided to go on the cost of discipleship. A couple weeks ago, John stood up here and spoke on the Great Commission. And then in there, I pretty much knew what my topic was going to be. Then I started researching it. Really wondered if I'd have picked the right topic to get into. But I guess to get started, what is discipleship? A lot of people think if you go to church, you're a disciple. Some say if you read the Bible, you're a disciple. In the dictionary, the disciple is a learner, a pupil, one who comes to be taught, I like to add in, with passion and desire. If you look at Jesus' disciples, they were consumed with wanting to take in every bit of knowledge concerning Christ and his teaching. I guess I was kind of like the disciples in a way. I wasn't always a Christian. And then Jesus called me. He found me. And when he did, I was hooked. I was consumed. And being consumed like that, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't read enough. I couldn't hear enough. I couldn't watch enough. I was like a sponge that was just being filled constantly and wrung out and more and wrung out and more. It's a feeling that I'll never forget. If you know me, you know I'm really not a reader. I don't like to read. I like to hear it. I can listen to an audio or something and that's very very good, but for reading, um, it bores me rapidly. Um, so when I became that Christian, I asked God, you're going to need to show me how to get through this. And he put such an overwhelming desire into me that I couldn't stop reading front to back, over and over again, back and forth, cross-referencing, And before I knew it, I'd been through the Bible several times. 
and it just kept wanting more and more and more and how that must have been the way the disciples felt on that day or through that three and a half year period that passion to be that learner that pupil and at the time I thought oh once you learn this you've got it well that's not really true either because with more knowledge there came more revelation and with more revelation more understanding and here we go again more desire more wanting to know We listened to Rick in Sunday school this morning, and he talked about what was wrong with a topic of what was wrong with the church today. Um, a lot of what he spoke on, if you were here, you're going to see a lot of resemblances between that. Um, some of what Bill had to say today. I find it not unusual for the Holy Spirit to make everything happen and come together as he sees it and how he'll tie everything together. It's, I'm never surprised, but I'm always amazed. And while every disciple is a believer, I think you can agree with me that not every believer is a disciple. You look at Jesus, and when he started, the first ones he called were Simon, known as Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And I think when he called him, it was kind of like when he called me, it just happened. So we'll read out of Matthew 4.18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they, follow, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. They left immediately. It wasn't later on. It was right then and there. And as Jesus moved around, great crowds followed him. Most of which were interested in his miracles. Some only interested in the food that he was providing. So as you can see, not every follower is a believer. And not every believer is a follower. As we'll see with the disciples, we'll read out uh, Matthew 4.25, which is his great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. Massive crowds. Were they disciples? I don't think I would go that far, but there were probably many that were.
The cost of discipleship. Now great crowds accompanied him. I'm going to read out of Luke 14. Great crowds accompanied him. He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether it has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish all, who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king is going to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate with whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost the taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no use either for the soil or the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Sounds pretty harsh, huh? Pretty strong. A lot of people read that and they think, wow, that's not really a loving God. But what they misunderstood was it wasn't about hate. Jesus didn't ask you to hate your mother and father. He was comparing the love you should have for God that the love that you would have for your family would appear as hate in comparison. That's how much greater we should love Jesus and God. Pretty strong requirements. After speaking this, he sifted out a lot of the crowd. A lot left. Even our own lives, as much as I'm sure we love our own lives, should seem like hatred compared to the love for God. You read back in the Old Testament, you've got Abraham and Isaac. Abraham passed the test. God was greater than the love for his own son. Did Abraham hate his son? I think not. Loved him tremendously. It was his world. But the love for God was so strong that it appears that way. Would you pass the test? Would I pass the test? I hope I never have to find out. So today, what is your Isaac? What's my Isaac? Is it family? Friends? A job? A pursuit for fame or fortune? These things we encounter every day. Everybody. So what is our Isaac? Just what is it that we put above God.
anytime there is a conflict between the love and the cross of Christ, Christ must always prevail. You look back and remember the rich young ruler who was saddened by Jesus' answer to him to sell everything and follow him. And it says that he left saddened. And he wanted eternal life. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for the, he had great possessions. The cost of discipleship is great. Giving all your love to God and having him number one in your life. Always. From the little small things to the very large things. Are we willing to serve God when and where he asks? If we do, he directs us. The more we're willing to serve him, the more we build that relationship with him, the more we are able to understand what path we are to be on for him. Discipleship requires living for God's way and to reject the worldly view on life. A hunger for the word and not the world. Like in Rick's Sunday School this morning. Here's a quote from A.W. Tozer. Tozer. He says, In every Christian's heart is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and the worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we want to insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of Caesar. But we doom ourselves to shadow and weakness and spiritual sterility. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? So what is the cost of discipleship? Another quote from Billy Graham. Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything you have. Everything. Christ gave everything for us. Are we willing to give everything for him? 
Let us try to be more of a disciple and more than a believer. John's message on the Great Commission last week. If we go to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. Jesus requires much and gives freely. How much more are we willing? How I long for that first love when I came to Christ. I'm saddened to say it's not quite like that now. The world comes in, the world takes over, and slowly it moves away a bit. The love is still there. We are required to work at keeping that first love and that relationship with Christ. We are the body. So this day, beautiful, sunshiny day, maybe we can look deep into our hearts. We're not just the light of day, but we're the light of Christ. And see if we're willing to be his disciples and further the Christians and the church and help our brothers and sisters. As Rick always says, Pray for each other. Even as disciples, let's pray for each other and get back to the first love. So if you don't mind, stand and we'll sing our invitation song.